Hi, I'm Rosie Acosta. I'm a meditation teacher, speaker, and author of You Are Radically Loved, a healing journey to self-love. Look, I grew up in East Los Angeles during the 92 LA riots, and it set me on a troubled path. I didn't grow up with mentors in my life, so I turned to reading as many books as I possibly could to learn about the purpose of life. In my journey, I found that having these conversations gave me life, and I decided I wanted to create a place where I could share these conversations with my community. So come have a sit with me as we learn about, well, everything. All right, everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Radically Loved Podcast. I am so honored to bring you a conversation with Mark and Angel Chernoff. These two are the New York Times bestselling authors of Getting Back to Happy, as well as 1,000 Plus Little Things Happy Successful People Do Differently, and 1,000 Plus Little Happy Little Habits of Happy Successful Relationship. And they have a new book out, The Good Morning Journal, which I have been blessed to receive and have gotten to work with. And I have so many questions for you on this new book and all all the other wonderful things that you two are doing in the world. But before I go on, welcome to the show. How are you both doing today? We're doing wonderful. Thank you very much. We're happy to be here. Yes, truly blessed to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. We are so excited. I wanted to hear a little bit about your origin story. I feel like this is such a unique dynamic. It's not often that we come across a couple who does this kind of work together and does it successfully. And what struck me was 1000 plus little habits of happy, successful relationships. It made me think of, I think it's Gottman who does that. Like, you know what I'm talking about? And then I think about, I was having this conversation last week with a couple of my girlfriends about the four love languages. Is that the Gottman work too? No, that is a different author. I forget his name. Miguel Cruz. No, that he's the he's the, um, the four agreements. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, is it the four agreements? The love languages. Okay. Don Miguel Ruiz is the four. Yeah, the four agreements. But the, the the five love languages. I forget the author of that. But but yeah, that's that's a, that's a great book. We read that many years ago. Very influential. Yeah. Well, so that's part of my question is definitely want to hear about your origin story, but also want to hear what inspired you both to do this work together. So our story, like I think like most people who get involved in personal development, you have that awakening moment or that awakening season of your life. Um, for us, that came in the middle of 2008. Uh, at the time, we were in our late 20s. And up to that point, you know, the only grief or true adversity that we had run up against was simpler things. Like we had lost grandparents, right? But although sad it was supposed to happen, it happened in the right order. We'd had other small adversities. But in the summer of 08, Angel lost her dear brother, uh, Todd, to suicide. And a mutual best friend of ours died of, it was ultimately cardiac arrest, but it was driven by a severe asthma attack. Those mm-hmm. two events happened about two weeks apart. And this was also the beginning of that downturn of the economy back in 08. So Angel was the breadwinner. I was always playing around with little tech startups and doing fun things. She was bringing in the, you know, the, the bacon and the beef, and she lost her job in the downturn of the economy. Mm-hmm. So we were a newly married couple at the time. And again, just really didn't have the toolbox to cope with and deal with that kind of a grief and adversity, especially back to back to back. So first, I mean, absolutely struggling with trying to wrap our minds around the grief and then got hit financially. So we were struggling on that end too, to make ends meet while we were trying to to work on this other stuff. As a newly married couple, we could have been leaning into each other and sharing our pain, having the tough conversations. But instead, 
we were kind of battling, you know, we were just butting heads, not opening up to each other, kind of probably afraid to, to share what was going on in our head and heart. And we turned to habits and rituals that weren't so helpful. Definitely a little bit of substance abuse with alcohol, definitely distraction with just binge watching TV, just buying things we didn't need, even though we were struggling financially, like all the things, right? Just to, to, to cope with the pain. So we luckily did see some therapists individually and they pointed that out. They said, you know, one of the paths to healing and, and both therapists said in different ways to us, but is to replace some of the habits and rituals <laughs> that you guys are practicing right now that are not serving you at all and figure out what those are and start leaning into some habits and rituals that are healing that will not be easy, but will help you grow together and ultimately heal through this season of your life. One of those those rituals was absolutely journaling, right? To record the thoughts going on in our head and heart, to capture them in the heat of the moment, but then also to have a safe place to reflect on them together and reflect on them when we were feeling a little bit more calm and collected. A lot of the little tidbits that go into the book, like A Thousand Little Habits and A Thousand Little Things, were basically thoughts that we were trying to keep in mind when we were going through that dark season. We had done tons of journaling. Um, we actually started our blog, marketangel.com, as a public accountability journal. We weren't really writing for others. It was a public accountability journal of the things that we were learning that our better judgment said, hey, like we know we should be doing this for ourselves and each other, but we weren't. So we're holding ourselves publicly accountable. We just wrote stories about what we were going through, what we were feeling, and some of the tools that we were using to overcome, to press through. And maybe it's good luck or whatnot, but back in 08, like Twitter, Facebook, all those social media platforms are just starting to take off. So what was just really for us started being read by others and shared by others. And then people started telling us their stories. And I mean, it started quite a long journey, but it's been a very rewarding one. Wow. That's so cool. Gosh, I love this. So when I hear people talk about couples specifically, when I hear couples talk about going to therapy together and individually, and then um, starting habits like journaling, I always wonder, this probably comes from personal experience in my life. I always wonder if there is one person in the relationship that seems like they have to be kind of coerced for lack of a better word into doing that kind of deep work. And I wonder about that because I think, does it take something like this to be created? Both people, both feet in, both people happy to do the work, both people wanting to do the work. Is it possible if one person in the, in the relationship is kind of like, not intentionally dragging their heels, but you know, scared of change and scared of looking a little bit deeper? Is it possible, do you think for that kind of change to happen if the other partner who's really into doing that deep work is like, hey, we need to do this, or if there's an ultimatum there. I don't know if you two experienced that, and if you want to speak to it, you can, but I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this topic. Yeah, I think everyone comes to personal development, self-improvement, their role in the relationship at different phases, right? And so I think it's accepting, first accepting, like that we each play a part, but that we each may be on a different part of that journey, kind of accepting where we're at, because I absolutely can resonate with what you're talking about, right? Like it kind of, it depends on where each person at, is at. Like you would hope that both take responsibility for their part and how they show up, even though maybe one person may be leading and being like, hey, I, I really think we need to talk to someone. And hopefully the other party isn't resisting too much. Um, but I think it's accepting where each of us are at in that stage and kind of like leading by example, but also being patient, 
with like their needs and goals and how they show up. Yeah, I agree. It gets really messy in there, right? Like the cliche is it's 50-50 a relationship, but that's not reality, right? It's it's certainly both people are involved in 100% of the relationship, but it depends on the season and what what we go through individually um, as human beings, right? Like what sends one person into depression will not send another person into depression, right? What takes maybe years for one person to overcome will only take a few months for another. So if we love somebody, as long as we have the right boundaries in place, we have to be willing to accept the fact that it's not 50-50 at all times. Like with the right boundaries to, to feed ourselves what we need, like we have to sometimes be willing to put in 75 when the other person that we love can't help but only give 25. And it's it's being, I, I agree with Angel, it's, it's being accepting of that and aware of that and knowing like, hey, I'm going to show up as my best self with the proper boundaries in place. If, if me putting in 75 for the next several months burns me out, well, then I need to have the boundaries in place so that I'm not burning out or I'm just doing my 50 and, and embracing the fact that they can't even hold their 50, right? That they're just doing the best they can. But open conversations, I think for us going again, going back to the journaling, we weren't necessarily on the same page, but because we like saw professional help, right? Before we, we had we had kind of coaches, if you will, say, hey, here's some things that you guys need to work on. And we were doing it individually. We both started that with that baseline and said, here's what I'm working on. And here's some of the progress I'm seeing from my work. And I think that the sharing of progress, even though there were different kinds of progress, felt really good. And that got us more on the same page supporting each other with the kind of progress that each of us needed. And progress, you know, I mean, that's one of those kind of hidden parts of happiness that we don't talk about that often. Like, hey, I'm not anywhere close to where I want to be. I'm feeling terrible. But if I can reflect on the work I've been doing, I know I'm making a little bit of progress. I'm a little further than I was yesterday. Or I discovered something new about myself that feels good. So, I mean, all of the little things matter a lot when you're going through one of those seasons. And I think that our willingness to share those little things is what was important. We weren't necessarily at the same place. Yeah, thank you. I remember being a very young, similarly, I got married in my, I think it was about 25. (laughs) Now I can't really remember exactly how old it was. But I remember feeling like therapy in particular, going to counseling was always a tool that I had growing up. And it was something that I felt like I wanted to utilize in my relationship as a young woman in my 20s heading into this, what for me was really (laughs) scary because it was such a huge change and feeling like my spouse and I spoke such a different language and we were in such a different page. And we were, I felt like I was willing to have that hard conversation. And I felt like I was always dragging him along with me. And there was a lot of resistance there. And then Angel, I, I appreciate what you said about like, you're not always in the same place, you know, and that's okay. And eventually this took me probably a decade to get to the place where I was like, I'm just going to have to lead by example and go and do counseling on my own because I need it for me and hope that if I feel like we need this for each other, he'll get on board. And eventually he did. And thank goodness, because <laughs> it's such a helpful tool. So I wanted to ask about, Mark, when you started to talk about progress, I was thinking about this idea that oftentimes we kind of wait until we wait for that kind of like maintenance of seeing a therapist or doing or building these habits and behaviors until things are really bad. I'm curious, and you probably talk about this in terms of like the habits of happy, successful people, but what about the maintenance when things are actually really good? What about like the day-to-day when you're in that season where you're feeling successful, you're feeling powerful, you're feeling like you are on the same page. Are there any 
reasons why or suggestions you would make for someone to want to build those habits in the good times? Oh, 100%. I think that's probably one of the biggest mistakes we make as human beings. And we do, yes, absolutely talk about that in the books. But yeah, we overamplify the importance of those seemingly big defining moments in our lives. And we undervalue the little things that we do every single day that actually create those outcomes, right? So we look at those big outcomes and we think like, oh, well, the business was successful on this day, or the business had failed on this day. But really, the business the business didn't fail that day, right? It was all the little things. It was like failing to check the books and tune into the customers and listen to feedback and innovate, right, your products and so forth. It's like all those little things eventually lead to a business failure and success works the same way. Listening, innovating, doing the right things, getting back to customers, right, listening to feedback. Rituals are, they make or break us. So yes, like when times are good, that's the time to practice gratitude right? Is gratitude's easy on the good days. Gratitude almost seems like a cliche. Like why, why even do this on the good days? But when you're going through an angel, I can tell you from experience, when you are going through one of those dark seasons in your life, the only way that you're possibly going to be able to access those glimmers of a silver lining, those glimmers of gratitude is if you've been doing it regularly, right? Like in the beginning, we couldn't see anything to be grateful for. But the more we practiced it, the better we got at seeing those little things automatically. But it doesn't happen by default. I mean, it, it takes a lot of practice to get into that rhythm, right? That's the power of affirmation, the power of prayer. It's like, do this stuff regularly on the good days so that on the dark days, you have that a little bit closer to the top of your mind. And that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. It reminds me of like, you know, what what is that saying? Like when you're thirsty, it's already too late, right? <laughs> like that you need to just constantly be drinking water and staying hydrated. And I agree with Mark, like the idea is like, oh, everything's happy, go lucky. I don't have to do anything, right? You're constantly showing up and having rituals in place that put you in that environment. So that when the struggles or the season occurs, because it's going to, right? Like we can't always have the good times that you're prepared to continue showing up and doing the ritual because you've already had it in place. Like Mark said, it's it's easy to be grateful on the good days, but really where it counts is on those hard days because you've been constantly showing up and focusing on that. You You're able to tap into that easier on those tough seasons. And not only that with journaling too, so it's like you're in the rhythm, but then you're also collecting data, right? Like when you're going through a difficult period of time, the journaling like acts as a, a capture tool, right? It's a capture tool for what's going through your head and heart when it, when the pain is really there, when you're truly feeling the emotion. It doesn't mean you should coach yourself in that moment or act on it in the moment, but capturing it is important because that's the raw data. Then going back, I mean, this is really where the power of journaling comes in, is going back when you're feeling a little bit more calm and collected, a little bit more level-headed, right, and, and, and centered, going back and reflecting on what's going on in your head and heart during those tough moments can be incredibly enlightening. You know, I mean, it allows you to put, again, a, a more focused, clear-headed perspective on it, not to look for what's right and wrong in it, but just to look for the patterns, right? To, again, to collect the data. So that you can make decisions, logical decisions off of data that you've been acquiring. Mm -hmm. Because again, if, if a certain situation or person or relationship is driving you to the same level of pain and emotion over and over and over again, reacting in the heat of the moment, and especially if it, if it only happens occasionally, is not, not a great decision, right? Because then you'll be like, it'll be in that situation. Should I stay? Should I go? I don't, I don't know what I want. I'm, I'm feeling emotional about it. But again, if you've been collecting data for, I don't know, a year, six months, whatever the time frame is. And you spend time when you're feeling calm and collected, reflecting on it, and you look and you go, wow, there is a pattern here of toxicity, of, of feeling unworthy, and so on and so forth. 
there's something to work on here. There, there's data here that tells me I need to make certain decisions logically that help me through this. So yeah, I mean, the process of doing that's a long way, I guess, of us answering the process of collecting things slowly, having positive rituals that are not just used when there's a fire burning in the room, but literally used every single day allows you to extinguish those fires. Yeah, it allows you to be better prepared when something catches you off guard. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. So along with being in relationship with each other, you know, as a married couple, (laughs) you also have built this business and clearly it's successful. And I'm wondering if I think there's a couple different questions I'm trying to tease out here. And it's around like this idea of being in relationship with each other as a married couple and thinking about how you balance each other out, like what strengths and weaknesses you show up with, how that creates also a business aspect to your relationship that allows you to both flourish, allows you to both have a voice and allows you to like want to show up every day and continue to work with each other as well as live with each other. I was just wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. It's actually a common question <laughs> we get all the time. How do you work together? How do you hang out with each other? How do you, we have a, a son, an eight-year-old son. How do you parent together? How are you guys always together? And, you know, for us, what, first we enjoy each other's company. Um, so we, we do, we do enjoy that, but also we have different roles. Like we understand like how we best show up in our family, in our business individually, and how we can complement each other versus trying to overstep or put the other person in their place. Like we understand how I show up as a mother and what I do as a in, in the house, in the home, and also as a business. And so I think that having distinct roles has helped us stay in our lane, right? And not butt heads when we're trying to say who's right, who's wrong, or you should be doing this. Like there's none of that because we have identified our roles in each category. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it's just having, again, we go back to boundaries. It's having the right boundaries in place that are supportive of what we're trying to achieve. I mean, for Angel and I both, we kind of agreed upon this 15 years ago and we started leaning into this a little bit more. Um, When people were reaching out through the blog, primarily at the time saying, hey, like, I totally resonate with your story. Let me tell you mine. What do you think of this? We made that kind of the, the number one goal was, are we helping people, right? That was sort of like the business, the blog. I mean, it wasn't even a business really then, uh, but it was the kind of the, we'll call it the, the beginnings of it, the seedlings of it. It all always came back to that. So collectively we've said, hey, what we want to be leaning into is, is this idea that we're you know helping people in some way. Um, knowing that, then it was like, okay, well, how can each one of us, that, what are our superpowers, right? That allow us to best do that. Um, Angel's way, I'll, I'll admit, way more organized, much more of, of, of like kind of a focused business thinker where it's like, okay, like if, if we're product launch or something like that, like here's the time schedule to get it done. Here's what needs to be done by certain times. I am way more just kind of shoot from the hip. So she, like she has totally taken control of those, 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 that aspect of the business will work with contractors and so forth to get things done in a timely manner. Um, I've always been a little bit more of the creative type, a little bit more like, let me throw some paint at the wall and see see what works. So I'm always testing new ideas and ways to help people. Like some of the books, for, as an example, like a lot of little social media images um, that we put together. I do that myself and put them out there and pay attention to them and say, okay, these are the ideas, the 10 ideas this month that kind of rose to the top. Let's build lo- like larger stories around this. Let's, you know, so... Again, she doesn't step on that part of it. I don't step on her part of it. Um, but it takes a while to get yeah. there. You got to know what your powers are. We give each other autonomy yeah. in, in our individual roles. And then we also 
accept and give each other permission to like fill each other's own buckets, right? Like what that looks like for me, like I love going to a float spa, right? Mark likes to have his alone time. Like there are just certain things that we also need to make sure we're filling our own buckets. So then when we come together, we're our best selves. I think that's a good point, right? Which a lot of people work from home, whether it's a, a couple or not these days, but like knowing when to turn it off. In the beginning, we didn't know, right? Even when our son was first born, it was like, we were with him feeling guilty. We weren't doing work. We were doing work, feeling guilty. We weren't with him. That's just an issue of boundaries. It's just an issue of structuring it properly, right? Like there's no real problem there. It means you love what you're working on and it means you love your your, your child, right? But you have to have the proper boundaries in place and stick to them. It is hard, but once you get used to it, it's like everything's a lot smoother. Yeah. Well, I think I've been trying to figure this out for myself as I've transitioned from going into an office, working in a corporate realm to working from home in my home office and knowing that I can easily just go downstairs and, you know, I could always find something to do in the kitchen or there could always be something to clean. I could always distract myself from work. So you're speaking to boundaries and also, you know, everything about rituals and habits and behaviors matters when it comes to building I think more importantly, in my mind, at least when I'm working from home, because everything is so easy, I'm I'm so easily distracted. So I'm wondering if you have any advice or habits and behaviors, daily rituals. I always kind of think about them as bookends, like things that I do in the morning that set me up for success and things that I do in the evening that set me up for a really nice night of sleep so that again, in the morning, I'm set up for success. What kind of habits and behaviors do you utilize throughout your day to create that? I would say environment is everything, right? So that was maybe one of the biggest ones from a working perspective for us, especially like a at-home working perspective. Trying to get some quiet writing time done on the couch is the worst place to go for us, right? Like there's the place, like you just said, where we're just distracted by everything. So knowing that and saying, okay, I'm going to go to a specific spot and I'm not going to leave that spot until a specific task is done. Now, maybe that's in our house, could be out on the back porch. It may be at the local coffee shop or the local library, right? But literally having a location for a task, and that's assuming there's a bigger task, like something that takes an hour or so to get done. So I might go to the coffee shop, work for an hour, then come back, go up to to the home into our home office, one of the offices where we're in right now, and, and get some quiet work done there as well. And that's usually two separate tasks. One might be email related, one might be writing related. And then, okay, take a break, reconvene with Angel. But I I think location, like tying a location to specific tasks can be incredibly helpful in getting things done. Yeah. And for me personally, like being at home, you know, I parent at home, we work from home, we do coaching at home, I homeschool my son. Like sometimes it can feel claustrophobic, right? Like it's like, get me out of here. I feel like I'm trapped within these four walls. And that's okay. And I think it's important to tune into how you feel when you're getting work done and realizing that there needs to be a change, right? There needs to be an environmental change. Like sometimes for me, it's just taking my computer on the back patio and seeing the horizon, right? They say like, if you can see distance, that actually is more calming. So for me, it's just going on the back patio and seeing the tree line and working out there. Sometimes with my son, sometimes we'll go to the library to homeschool one day. So it's like, it's mixing it up and just tapping into what you need, what the strategy Mark talked about, about 
doing a task at a location has been extremely helpful. So if we notice like we're just in a rut, we'll go to a coffee shop to get work done on a Tuesday, right? We'll go to the library, you know, you, there are other areas outside of your home that can fill your bucket and be exciting. And then also be like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this task and I'm not going to leave here until this task is completed. And then it can actually be fun and not draining and, you know, torture. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we risers to come to our environments. I mean, that's, that's the truth. Like, no matter how much willpower we have or how smart or intelligent, whatever we are, or how prepared we are even, like if we're in the wrong environment, we're going to be distracted. We're not going to be our best, right? We're going to be pushing against the wind. Um, we might as well set ourselves up with an environment that works for us. So I think paying attention to that has been huge as far as like a ritual to follow for at-home work. And maybe the other the other one that we could quickly mention is just theming your days, knowing like some of our days are specifically for outreach and coaching clients, Right. For students, clients, and so forth. Anyone who's bought a product from us that needs our attention, that wants to get on a call. Sometimes we do group sessions. We have specific days of the week. And, and those days of the week are typically Wednesdays and Thursdays. So we know what we're doing on those days. Like we don't have to think about like, like what am I writing today? What am I working? Like those are the those are the outreach days. Mondays, Tuesdays, Fridays, a lot of quiet writing time for me, a lot of support stuff for Angel. Angel also prepares action plans for things we're going to be working on, some of the group stuff with our clients. So it's like, but it's quieter work, right? So any, I mean, that's just small examples, but for each business, I mean, having a theme for a specific day, knowing in general, like I'm going to be working mm -hmm. on this kind of work this day, this kind of work that day, it sort of helps you get into flow. And that's something we've developed over the years as well. Yeah, I love those suggestions. So, and I'm also wondering about, because you kind of spoke to this a little bit, but I was hoping to hear a little bit more about creating boundaries around turning off the work time. So it sounds like maybe you work a Monday through Friday kind of a schedule. Does that creep into your weekends? How do you create really good boundaries around, you know, like not looking at your phone, not checking email, if you do, if you think that's important when you're with your family, when you're trying to give your your brain that mental break from being in work mode? I think for us, the biggest thing, and I'll let you answer as well, is just been not doing that in the morning. I think a common mistake business and personal is like checking all the things first thing in the morning, right? Checking the social media posts, checking email if it's business. Um, that's not what's most important. So again, go back to like theming the days, like it's Saturday and Sunday. Yes, for us is about family. So like the most important thing is certainly not, right? If we, if we look at our priorities and say, what is the theme of this day? It's not the check business email day, right? So it's like, just knowing that we don't do that first thing. Now, later in the afternoon, if there's free time and like our son's doing something and we're not like nothing pressing, absolutely, we'll, we will check some social media. We will do uh, the business email, but we we just know the theme. So like on a quiet writing day, even, yes, maybe some emails need to go out, but first thing in the morning when the mind is fresh, wouldn't be the time to do that. So we typically don't start like that kind of work until later in the day, usually around lunchtime. Yeah. I would say just giving yourself permission to have those boundaries. We have a good friend named Mike Vardy, who um, is an expert in productivity. And I remember one time I had sent him a text and I'm like, oh, did you get my email? And he's like, oh, I don't check emails on Tuesdays, whatever day. It was. <laughs> yeah, that's right. like, what? Like you don't check email at all. So he's more hardcore than us. He just doesn't check them on that day. They gave me permission to be like, you're allowed to do that. And so it was funny at the time, but now it gives me permission. Like I don't, I'm, I don't check email at all on Saturday and Sunday and the world still spins, right? Yeah. Like it's okay. So it's also like 
what we're holding ourselves, like the expectations we're putting on ourselves, like you cannot check email and it's okay, right? There's no fires that need to be put out. And so for me, yeah, it's it's having those boundaries, right? It's being able to shut it off and be okay with it. And it's going to be tough at first, but then it becomes easy and it's enjoyable, right? And it's like, okay. So like for me personally, like I don't check customer support email on Saturday or Sunday. And it has been working perfectly fine. <laughs> you just got to hold that boundary yeah. though. I mean, sometimes little notes will tell you like have a little to don't list yeah. right by your computer, or your workstation or whatever. I mean, I'm telling you that works. It's so hilarious yeah. to say it, but like we've done that. Do not check email. It goes on yeah. to the workstation area Friday afternoon, right? And now we don't have one right now, yeah. but in the past we have yeah. because we just were not in the rhythm. You have to be in the rhythm to actually hold yeah. the boundary. The question is, how do you get into the rhythm? And you might need visual reminders yeah. to make that happen. Well, and like Mark does the majority of our social media posts. Mm -hmm. If I go in there to put a post, I get sucked into the personal world, uh, right? So no. I can't do that. So we know that Mark can do the business related stuff, get in there. And for me, I like my to don't list says, don't check social media till afternoon, right? Like, don't check that. These are your priorities first thing in the morning. So. Uh. I love that. A to don't list. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I need to find my post-it notes and make myself a to don't list. So I've been opening the book, the Good Morning Journal, and I have been kind of just, just opening it and seeing what pops out at me. And it's been really interesting because every time I've opened it the past couple of days, it's open to the same page. And I don't have it bookmarked and it's not like I've opened it enough to make it you know, lend itself to that, if if that makes sense. <laughs> but I pay attention to things like this in terms of like uh, synchronicity and okay, this is the message that I need to learn right now. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to read the one that I keep opening to. And it's called Choose Differently. And so choosing differently. Our challenge to you starting today is this, live your life not as a bystander, not as a prisoner to the false beliefs and stories that keep you stuck in your seat. Live in this world on this day and every day hereafter as an active participant. Every morning, ask yourself what is real and important to you, and then find the courage, wisdom, and willpower to build your day around your choice. It's your choice. Your choice. You're choosing right now. And if you're choosing to complain, to blame, to be stuck in the past, to act like a victim, to feel insecure, to feel anger, to feel hate, to be naive, to ignore your intuition, to ignore good advice, to give up, then it's time to choose differently. But let us also remind you that you are not alone. Generations of human beings in your family tree have chosen. Human beings around the world have chosen. We all have chosen at one time or another, and we stand behind you now whispering, choose to be present, choose to be positive, choose to forgive yourself, choose to forgive others, Choose to see your value. Choose to see the possibilities. Choose to find meaning. Choose to prove you're not a helpless victim. Choose to let go of your false beliefs and stories. Choose to find strength in the truth, your truth, so that you can take real steps forward starting today. And so what I love, I mean, I, I don't think I've said this yet, but something I love about this journal in particular is not just questions, but something thought-provoking that helps me start to... I think what I struggle sometimes with in, in terms of journaling is, okay, I might have a question in mind, but then I flip the page open and I want to answer that question and it takes me forever to answer it. So having something kind of thought-provoking like this, that's it's a perspective shift for me, helps it 
helps it become easier to think about how would I answer something like, how can you let calmness be your superpower today? Which that one did take me a couple extra minutes this morning. (laughs) One of my favorite questions in here, and I was hoping that you two would answer this for me, if you wouldn't mind. What is your favorite quote? And what does it mean to you? I just love quotes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's hard to pick one. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. How you spend your days is how you spend your life. Oh, I do love that one. And that's kind of something we've already talked about, how like it's not about the it's not about the big vacation or the big defining moment, but it's about the daily activities and the daily the joy you bring into your life on the daily and the presence and acceptance. And so that really just causes me to slow down and appreciate today and how am I infusing joy and presence into this moment rather than waiting, you know, till five o'clock or waiting until the holiday or waiting until the vacation. So that really uh, brings me back to the moment. Yeah. Presence is everything. I mean, I guess I could piggyback off of that. And it's more like a mantra than it is a quote, but it is a quote to be here now, you know, like just be here now. That's something that I'm always trying to remind myself of because my mind does like everybody else's, right? We're always two steps ahead where we're positioning our focus outside of the actual place we're living right now. Um, So leveraging what Angel said, hey, it's like all those moments today are, that's how we're going to spend our life. Like, let's pay attention to them. That's where our power is, right? Even the little excerpt that you read from the journal, it's about taking back control, right? Take control over what you do have power over and stop being a victim to the things that you don't have control over, right? Like now the things that happen to you are not necessarily your responsibility. They're not your fault. How about that? They're not your fault. Certainly things happen to us in our lives that are unfortunate, sometimes terrible, and they're not our fault. So we don't want to wish those on ourselves. But although it's not our you know our fault, it is our responsibility to decide how we're going to react to those circumstances. It's our it's it's within our power to figure out what the next steps we are going to take, right? So while it's, while it's not necessarily our responsibility to control every aspect of our lives, we have a lot of choices. And we want to make sure that our energy on a daily, like Angel said, is is focused on controlling things that that help us live the best life possible, right? Be here now, focus on what you can control and and practice letting go of the other stuff because that other stuff, I mean, it, you're just wasting energy and, and you're you're making no progress like we talked about earlier. Yeah, I love both of those answers. So I had the same reaction that, that Mark did and, and I was like, oh my gosh, I literally wrote, I have so many. <laughs> My go-to has always been because I love poetry and Mary Oliver is one of my favorites. So on the front page of my website is tell me what is it you will do with your one wild and precious life. I'm paraphrasing because I've said it so many times that I might've switched a few words around, but it's something along that inquiry about, you know, what it is you want your life to look like and live it to the fullest and on purpose. And then recently I, I read Shoe Dog by Phil Knight and it's the story of Nike. And I love, I, when I, whenever I'm reading a book like that, I always have my journal close by because there are moments when I'm reading something that I'm like, I want to remember that. And it's, he's talking about burnout. When you see only problems, you're not seeing clearly. And so I think that's a really helpful reminder to me when I get kind of stuck in that negative headspace of like, okay, a lot of this is I'm seeing problems, 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 and I'm getting kind of stuck in the problem instead of thinking about, okay, if that's an issue, what's a possible solution? If that's an issue, what can I do to solve? If that's an issue, how can I shift perspective and create something else different than I want to see out of it? 
So I've been finding that one really helpful today. But yeah, I agree. There's so many. It's hard to choose. (laughs) Well, even right along those lines, another one that I often reference is nothing is good or bad as our thinking makes it so. Mm -hmm. And so when you're seeing problems, 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 well, there's also problems and there's also opportunity, right? So there's perspective, like there, there's everything, there's a, there's multiple perspectives. So it's, what are you choosing? How are you choosing to look at it? Right. Yeah. That to me, that's such a beautiful invitation to create something positive out of something that you might view as negative otherwise. Yeah. Perspective shift. I was curious if you would help me with this one. The one that I I mentioned I struggled with this morning. How can you let calmness be your superpower today? I think I took it in a different direction, I guess, than I wanted to, because I was like talking about how my reaction to situations out of like anger or fear or control typically don't allow me to stop and access the superpower of calmness. Um, So I kind of I guess I was struggling with that. So I was wondering if you two would help me in terms of like reframing. How can you let calmness be your superpower today? I think at a baseline level, grounding yourself, there's a lot of different ways to do that. But I mean, it could be as simple as, you know, being hyper present and focused on the thing that you're doing, almost like a walking meditation, right? Like when you're done with your cereal, wash your bowl and spoon quietly, you know, focus on actually doing it. Focus on watering the plant that you're watering, making the bed. I mean, those are like little seemingly household chores, but it's calming if you can really put your focus on it and be with it. Maybe more popular and and more accessible ways would be a workout, right? Not going to a workout to get the craziest workout imaginable, but grounding yourself in the sense of there's a world of things you can't control today, right? But I can control how many reps of this particular exercise I'm going to do and how much effort I'm putting into it, right? Like, And so in a world of things I can't control, I can control getting to 10 reps, right? And just really being with each one of those reps very grounding. Again, good for the body, sure, but very grounding for the mind. Get in there and do something like that for 15 minutes. I would say meditation, you know, mentioned walking meditation, but just sitting, focusing on the breath and letting, you know, of course, your mind's going to wander, bring it back to the breath. Like that's something you can control. Forgive yourself for letting it wander. Focus on the breath. Doing that even for just for five minutes, I think Angel and I, before we do speaking gigs, we will sit down together behind backstage. We're doing this individually, but focus on the toes. What does it feel like in your feet? You know, eyes closed. We're sitting down, focusing on the toes, up into the calves, up into the knees, you know, up into the quads, all the way up through your body till you're at the tip of your head. Just kind of feeling like what it is to be in your body in those different areas. What is the body sensations? You know, it's it's a body scan. It's, it's a, a quick 60 second kind of meditation, but grounding. So like when you're feeling nervous, when you're feeling off center, when we're about to go out on stage and, and give a talk, ground yourself first. Find Find yourself in this moment, be here now again, so that you can then step into the moment with full presence. And one of the things I love with about this journal is we can all interpret these questions completely different, right? And they're all right. And so my take on how can calmness be your superpower today, that makes me think about, okay, bringing awareness to what's my toughest part of the day, right? Bringing awareness to where do I need that calmness, right? Like, what are you going to step into today, Angel, that is going to irritate you, that is going to make your blood boil, that is going to cause you frustration, identifying that. And then how can I bring patience and calmness into that? Oh, I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Thank you. Well, okay. So I want to be mindful of your time and I want to ask you one more question. And I'm 
I guess I'm wondering if there's, this could be kind of a two-parter or you could just choose one question to answer. And that is, if there is something that you were hoping that I would have asked you, what did you want to talk about that we didn't get to talk about? Or if there's one, one's always so hard, right? It's like choosing your favorite quote. But if there's a key takeaway from this conversation that you want listeners to really just embody and resonate with, what would that be? Mm. I'll go with the second part. You go with the first part. (laughs) I mean, I think just a takeaway, you know, be patient and present with yourself. Don't rush it. Build some consistent positive rituals into your life. They don't have to be big things, little things that keep you on track, that, that maintain, help you maintain your boundaries. Journaling can be one of them. Um, having a stru- like a bit of structure in your schedule and sticking to it can be another. Making time for the people who matter in your life is going to fill your bucket to get back to the work that you love, right? Or even the work that you struggle with. But having the right rituals in place, boundaries that support good rituals, not goals. We're not talking about big, heavy goals because there's a there's a difference, right? Like the, the weight of the thing I have to achieve versus the little things that I do every day that help me make progress. Make sure that you're maintaining those. I think that everything else comes second. And in many ways, you could, as long as you have positive rituals and you check in with your goals once every few months, you don't have to worry about those goals on a daily basis or the heaviness of any of that. Just stay on track. Make sure you're moving slightly down the road every day and give yourself credit for that progress too. Don't just do it. But like, again, why is journaling important? Reflect on it and then say, wow, like I am making progress and feel good about it. It's worth it. Yeah. And I would uh, just go back to like the beginning of the conversation when you asked, you know, if someone is resistant to wanting to do the work together, I think it's really important to accept ourselves where we're at in this moment and accept others to where we're at. So much resistance come from wanting things to be differently than what they are. And that's not to say we can't have improvement and can't look forward to change, but we have to accept where we are in this moment and accept where others are and how they're showing up and remind ourselves we only have control of how we show up, right? And how we step forward. And we can't make positive change without first accepting where we are. So true acceptance and then of ourselves and of others And then what's the next right step in the next right direction? So beautiful. Thank you both, Mark and Angel. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you, to get to know a little bit more about you and to have this beautiful work that you do at my fingertips. I really appreciate it. Okay, so last final promise, logistical question that I always like to ask is just where it's best for people to go to find out more about you, to connect with you, to follow along with what you're doing. Yeah, um, you can go to our website, markandangel.com, and that's Mark with a C, M-A-R-C. And there you can see we update articles multiple times a week. You can sign up for our free email newsletter, and you can also find us on your favorite platform, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, podcast, all of those places. And of course, our books are available wherever books are sold. And so getting back to happy, that book is a traditional book where you read cover to cover, but the journal and the other books, A Thousand Little Things, Happy Successful People Do Differently, are great books just to flip to any page and dive in when you need them, right? It can be a quick way to start your morning. It can be like, oh, I'm kind of feeling in a rut, flip to a page, right? Get that quote, get that nugget of wisdom and then step away. So those books are really good just to dive in and out as needed. 
Yeah. It's nice to have a a variety of those. I find that so helpful. So thank you for creating that for us. (laughs) Thank you. Well, yeah. Thank you for uh, having us. It was a pleasure today. Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Loved podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie, on Instagram at Rosie Acosta, and Twitter at Rosie Acosta. By the way, this is original music by DJ Taz Rashid. You can follow DJ Taz on Spotify and check out the best music for yoga and meditation. This has been a Mod Pod Studio production. Check them out at www.modpodstudio.com.